Hello, and welcome to Behind the Scaffolding, a podcast where we talk to writing teachers about the hows and whys of what we do in the classroom. Coming to you from the University of Michigan, I'm Angie Berkeley. And I'm Gina Brandolino. Angie, this episode tackles what has to be on every teacher's mind right now, teaching online. Like many colleges and universities across the country, the University of Michigan has been conducting classes primarily online since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic last March. And this shift has been huge in terms of how it's challenged all of us to adapt our courses and make them work for our students and also for us. Yes, indeed. And we wanted to know what all these adaptations and adjustments look like for some of our fellow teachers, and as well as what parts of in-person teaching they're most keenly feeling the loss of. We asked a few of our colleagues from the Sweetland Center for Writing what they were missing most about being away from in-person teaching and what unexpected delights or surprises they discovered in the experience of teaching online. And they had plenty to say. They sure did. But maybe not surprisingly, they all said essentially the same thing about what they missed about teaching in person. And that was the experience of sharing live space with their students, together with all the pedagogical benefits and simple human joys of company that come with it. Yep, that's exactly it. And Gina, I think it's fair to say that we share this feeling. Our hearts are broken too about missing out on being live with our students. Our guests mentioned so much that we miss too. For example, seeing our students share ideas about course materials as they chat independently before class, the pedagogically virtuous eavesdropping that we do on our students when they work in groups, the feedback we get and adjustments we can make from students' body language and facial expressions, being able to walk around the classroom right on the board and the simple reality of how much easier it is to manage class discussions in all their rich complexity in real life than it is on Zoom. So much easier. And in fact, it occurs to me that this very episode shows some of these problems. We recorded it with Zoom, of course, and listeners, you'll probably notice that it sounds a little different than it usually does. Yes, it's true. And Gina, as I was editing, I was realizing that one of the saddest little examples of that was that our recording didn't often capture when you and I or our guests were laughing with each other, which of course is the kind of conversational richness that's also lost in a virtual classroom. But it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all bad. That's totally right. Our guests had plenty to say about the unexpected delights they found in teaching online and lots of practical stuff they're going to take into next semester when we'll still be teaching online, and even some stuff they'll retain when we finally do get back to in-person classes. That's right, Gina, and we decided for this episode to focus on those silver linings. This episode is a little different from our usual forma. You'll hear five of our colleagues, Scott Beal, T. Hetzel, Jimmy Brancho, Kat Castle, and April Conway, talk about some of the unexpected delights and insights they discovered through online teaching. Our usual opening and closing school bell will separate our brief interviews with each of them. And please bear with us through any fluctuations in volume and hiccups in sound quality. Believe us, podcasting in the era of coronavirus poses some formidable challenges. Let's have a listen. Well, so Scott, Despite the grimness, I can tell you have something optimistic to tell us too. 
Like, what I can tell he, by how he looks in his Zoom box. Yeah, I know, right? But see, that's because we know him already. So we can like better interpret his Zoom box person. Exactly. Right. Um, okay, so knowing what you know and, and thinking about your experience this past semester and in the spring, have there been any surprising benefits or even delights, you know, from online teaching that, that you would take into next semester when we'll be online, but maybe even into the next time you teach in person? So one, I mean, one, one thing is conferences are a lot easier this way, right? Like one-to-one -one conferences, um, in some ways, it's, it's possible this way with people that it wouldn't be possible with otherwise. I mean, I'm having one-to-one -one conferences with students in South Korea and Indonesia and China, you know, uh, where uh, yeah, they, they are attending my class in the middle of the night. So I stay up until the middle of the night to have like, these, you know, to, to, to help them uh, have a, a break in their terrible schedules or something. But, um, but even, yeah, I think even more locally, like, there are days when I have like a whole load of student conferences for a class where I sit in my office and I wait for people to show up and it gets exhausting and it gets, and also frustrating when people don't show up in a way that it's still frustrating when people don't show up for an online conference, but I just can like close the laptop and go do stuff in my kitchen for a half hour instead of sitting in my office, you know? Um, so I think uh, I do like the convenience of online conferences and that's something I think I'll open open up more as a possibility for classes in the future. I think the other thing is, so, which is a little bit more of a mixed bag, is uh, the, the ease of creating breakout rooms in Zoom is really, is really nice, you know, that, that I can do that on the fly. I miss some of the clever tricks I use in class to like have everybody draw a you know, card and then divide them up by colors or something like that, you know, but, uh, but it's easy to put them into breakout rooms the downside of that in some ways is you can't uh, see what they're doing in their, you know, small groups. <laughs> and uh, uh, there are times when it's a little uh, disheartening to kind of pop in and check on how the conversations are going and see a bunch of neutral screens with no voices, you know. But what I have discovered that works really well are live action Google Doc activities in breakout rooms. So I'll have them like uh, for uh, like a, a reverse outline of an essay or something. So I'll break, I'll break students into uh, breakout rooms and I'll even be able to pre-populate, here's the number of paragraphs. So every group you get one page of this and here's your like 60 point list for each paragraph to put in like what the main idea is so we can talk about this essay structure. And then uh, each breakout room is doing this in real time and I can watch on the screen as like lines get filled in, you know? Um, so I, I know what they're doing or a brainstorming conversation or like a thesis, uh, like kind of workshop, like where people are going through like speed dating rounds of like looking at thesis statements. And I can see like with each iteration, like how they're changing things and what they're adding. I'm not like in the space with them, but I can just watch their progress uh, as it happens. And that's, I, I think that's one really exciting thing that I can take away even for in-person teaching, you know, when I have people on small groups, I can just be like, yeah, do this on your laptops in your small groups, talk together, but also fill in this sheet. And then I can be watching all of them and kind of formulating my thoughts. Uh, so when we open things back up to like a debrief, instead of having to, I mean, I still will ask them to talk about their process and, you know, things, but I can have a head up on like what things I want to point out, you know, what things have, have worked well, have emerged successfully and what things I want to challenge them to think a little bit more fully about. 
in a way, it seems like the Google Docs allow you to see a lot more than you could see if you were just circulating physically in a classroom of their work. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's the one advantage, the one thing I've been excited about um, yeah. the classes this year. Do you get in there on the Google Doc as they're working? Like, do you ever get in there and comment? I haven't. I've thought about it, but I did go through once and comment afterwards, you know? So like I'll share the Google Doc afterwards, like here's the thing we worked on in class. When we did the thesis uh, kind of workshop, which is totally an idea I stole from our colleague, Kat Castle, you know, I have them come in with a draft of a thesis statement for a paper. And then we go through like all the criteria from the Eric Simpkins, Eric Simpkins looking at a thesis. So like, does this thesis say something a little weird? And they'll have like a couple minutes to talk with their partner about yes or no and what they can do to make it weirder. And then give them a couple minutes to draft a new thesis statement kind of based on that. And then go to the next week, like, does this thesis sta statement say something that uh, is about this topic exclusively, you know, and they can do this over and over. And so I got to see these kind of like evolving thesis statements kind of traveling down the page under each student's name. Um, and then I went back afterwards and I made a comment on each one's kind of like where they ended up to say, this is great for this reason, but you should also think about X or, you know, and this was at a stage before their rough drafts were due. So it was hopefully like one more uh, kind of way to give them some formative feedback as they were working on their essay and a pretty efficient one too right because i could see like the whole thought process that led to this and give them like one quick comment to kind of help steer them in a good direction so so yes yeah, i think uh yeah live action google docs is my uh is my best discovery that's great yeah i did something like that too with um on canvas discussions and some google docs where i like went back afterwards and commented on certain things just as you're saying and it was very satisfying i felt good about it i can tell from the all these talks today i'm gonna like change everything i'm doing for the winter <laughs> yeah. well, I, I mean i look forward to listening to the podcast so i can also change everything i'm doing for the <laughs> that's what it's, it's all about right Let's turn that way then. And like, so talk about, it sounds like there are actually things that have delighted you about the, um, the, the online teaching, um, things that you would actually consider benefits and that you're certainly going to carry forward into the winter, but maybe even beyond that when we return to in-person teaching. Yeah. I guess knowing that you can build a community online that can be vivid and lively and meaningful, like, I look forward to seeing the, the two classes. I don't know, we're, we're closer in a different way. Like there's, there's a vulnerability that's different. Um, so being open to the students in a different way and they see you in a different way. You know, sometimes students will see, you know, my mom walking behind me, <laughs> like to go through or if I need to get up because I don't know, you know, there's different things, right? And then we see them differently too. We're all sort of, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, why, who's driving? Like, you shouldn't be in the car for class. Like, you know, like, are you safe? <laughs> you know, things like that, right? Um, but yeah, so, okay. So I guess I'm just thinking that going into the next semester, I feel like we can do this. It's hard, but we can do this together and we can get through it. Um, I think also it's 
it's stuff that I haven't had enough time to process yet, but I feel like it's opening up how I see teaching too, in some ways, um, in that I always, I don't know, like now, like for the podcasting class this semester, for example, I think I went into this kind of terrified because I thought, what if we can't go to the podcasting station up at the Deuterstadt up north campus way? Um, what if we can't go to the design lab in Shapiro? Like I had built the class a different way. Um, and then it was so great to know that there are resources, like the folks at ISS have been so helpful. Justin at the design lab, Phil Cameron continues to be a star, Jessica at web services, like, like, like there's ways that you can do it. And so in a way I felt empowered to kind of know that we can teach like this if we need to. So I guess kind of maybe even taking that into the future, like we can do it. <laughs> sort of you can like, find the, a way. like the woman with the, um, the bandana um, sort of pedagogy. I like that and, saying, life always finds a way, teaching always finds a way. Wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> Feel that, that like that should be embroidered somewhere. Um, <laughs> oh, and maybe being and then this is a practical thing, like uh, being more open to like meeting students for online meetings, like Zoom meetings or Google meetings. Whereas before, I used to have like the this sacrosanct get the office, like we must have the meetings in the office. I I can see how that doesn't have to happen. There can be more flexibility, and yeah. If you have to meet while you're cooking dinner with your mom, <laughs> then that's when you I'll have to meet. Yeah. <laughs> this is a pandemic, for God's sakes. <laughs> All right, cool. Is there anything else you for sure wanted to say as we move into this jokier part of the mm. Zoom? Hmm. Oh, yeah, this. I might say, what do you all think about this? Like on the syllabus, like, so not next semester, obviously, because we're all remote, but let's say there's hopefully the vaccine, et cetera, and we're back on campus. I might say there might be a possibility of some Zoom class sessions, like to have some flexibility like that. Wow. Yeah. I had never even, my mind is getting blown right now. <laughs> that's I mean, I think that's the sort of the big question mark for me moving forward is like we've done a lot of things out of necessity but remember what they say about necessity right mother of invention ended pumpkin seed and so <laughs> we've got this opportunity to innovate you know to not do things just because we have to but do things that maybe work better yeah that's what i meant by things are like kind of broke open in a way yeah. and Oh, and like, yeah, for the podcasting class, like the students, I used to think each person's going to have to make one episode and they maybe envision their own whole podcast. And then I was like, no, we're going to make one as a season together and they can work together on episodes if they want. Like it just sort of started shifting more openness, I think. So I don't know. Um, yeah, for me, it started as a like, oh, whatever. And then <laughs> it became a like, oh. It's okay. This is good. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> how about for you, Angie? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about how when I was planning my course for the fall, 
it was exciting. I mean, it was the same sort of excitement that I always feel when I'm switching things up in any kind of way. I mean, it was a creative challenge to think about like, how can I plan this class and do what I want to do in a way that, that doesn't necessarily require attendance and that can happen asynchronously if I need it to. And, and it was fun. Um, so, I mean, that, that's one of the things that is really keeping me going is to keep trying to make that better and, and improve upon that. So, yeah. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Exactly. You gotta keep on, keep on, keep, oh. on, keep on dancing. Keep on dancing. So, <laughs> one thing about like the classroom though, just to go back to our, the first part of our conversation, I wanted to say like when all the students are there and you know, it's discussion based and people are talking and asking questions of each other. It's like, and you're saying things that you feel are important right? as a, you know, an instructor. It's like, that's where the magic happens. So Jimmy, despite the sadness of, of not being able to see all these things, um, have there been any surprising delights or benefits that you've noticed um, as you've been teaching online? Anything that maybe you'll take into next semester when we'll still be online or even into your in-person classrooms when we get back there someday? Right, so I, um, I, I sort of prided myself on being a person who writes really good assignment prompts. Like, you know, we see a lot of them and not all of them are great. Um, but what I learned doing online teaching was that they're not good enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> You you really have to spell out everything, like to the letter, because there's there isn't thirty thirty seconds after class where you can just clarify one thing or anything like that. And so I've had to I've had to go back to basically all of my assignment prompts and say like, okay, could I do this without me? Is this really one hundred percent like standalone clear? And I think that has been like a growth edge that is going to stay with me until into into next semester um delights i don't know i haven't found much about this to be delightful <laughs> honesty we value of documentary honesty yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know if i could say anything <laughs> i guess like having the like camaraderie like having this like big common terrible thing that we're all dealing with um I don't know I, I try to I try to keep my professional distance you know I don't want to be like unloading my problems on my students or like trying to be like the too cool uncle or something you know but like there's times where we just got to put the like in individual conferences where we just had to put the work aside and like be humans and that feels that feels more necessary now than it would in a normal term that that, that was really unexpected yeah i can agree with that i've definitely found that as well and i think it is it is something to be it's a little bit sad and hard but so maybe not delightful i agree but something <laughs> something to be grateful for <laughs> right yeah. I mean, I feel like my students get way more, I mean, not just because I'm in my house, you know, but because 
maybe just because I'm in my house. I don't, I was about to say, I feel like students know way more about me personally than they would an, in a normal semester, right? And I mean, part of it is because I'm in my house when, whenever I'm dealing with them. But I think another part of it is that, you know, you have to fill the time with like, you can't constantly be talking about school. So when you have those moments of small talk, it's usually something really personal, you know, mm -hmm. not, not inappropriately personal, but I mean, you know, just like that, this is a pandemic, you're talking about who, you know, that's sick or how it's going, or if you're sick, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's all kinds of, weird consequences of working from home and in, in some cases it's not possible for me to hide them but like some other things like some other things that i could hide by like using a virtual background or something um i kind of don't want to because i i like i think it's important for students to know like what what my working conditions really are um during this kind of from like a labor activism perspective, but also from like a, nobody's doing great right now <laughs> um, sort of perspective too. Yeah, I've been yeah. really um, resistant to any anything that's sort of like, it's great. This is just as good as it's always been. We're doing amazingly. And I, for a similar reason, I, I mean, I talked to my students about it when I first started, I was like, yeah, it's, this is my house. You know, I think it's important that we all see where we really are, but I will also say, I was pleasantly delighted with my group of students' um, use of the Zoom backgrounds. They were actually really creative with it, and they were often using, you know, some of the art that they had made or interesting photos or characters or shows that they liked. And so that was kind of cool. I totally agree that the constant use of the sort of professional Zoom background is alienating. But the way that these students used it kind of opened my eyes to how it can be sort of a fun fun little sort of icebreaker, you know, even even community building kind of thing. They, it helped us learn about each other a little bit more. Yeah. This one happened in 100. Um, it was actually kind of like a semester, like a semester defining moment. I don't know. It, it like, it was so strange while it was happening, but I'm going to look back on it like, yeah, this is pandemic teaching, where um, there's probably 10 minutes, five minutes left in class. They had just been in breakout rooms, and I wanted to like, do a recap of what like go out to each group like what did you talk about like what did you what was the main thing you learned while they were in the breakout room one of the students changed his zoom background to a clip from one of my recorded lecture videos <laughs> so i was like like talking in the background while and i didn't notice i was like talking and every single student is laughing and I'm like what am I saying and I noticed this and like nobody recovered like we all just laughed about it for like four minutes and then I ended class <laughs> <laughs> like that was the closest thing to like a real social interaction I've had all time <laughs> I, and you know what look you you successfully read body language Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to come back from this. <laughs> right. Let them have the moment. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. That's really, that's really kind of harrowing. It makes me glad that I, I don't do more live stuff. I don't know how I feel about like the synchronous classes. I don't know. Yeah. 
it's it's really a toss up. That sounds delightful, though. I think that sounds like a delight. Mm-hmm. I got it back last week. <laughs> What'd you do? Um, I just took a. I don't know how to make it an animated video, but he was like doing something goofy, like on his phone, um, and so I screenshotted it and made it my background, just for like the first two minutes of class and. Everybody enjoyed that moment of vengeance, but then I um, couldn't figure out how to change it back in the meeting. So <laughs> the joke was on me after all, <laughs> as but it should be. <laughs> when when you're the teacher and the joke's on you, you get something. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you're you're paying for something when you do that. You get something for it. What do you mean? Positive, something positive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, Maybe. I don't, I don't want to be a figure of power any more than I like inherently am in the classroom. Yeah, exactly. Kat, have there have you found anything that has surprised you as a, a benefit or that has been particularly delightful even, you know, dare I say even delightful? Um, about teaching virtually that you're definitely going to use when we're virtual again um, in the winter and maybe you know when we return to teaching in person you would use then and I need to supply a caveat here and say that Scott talked about your live Google Doc. I do have something else but what I'll say about the collaborative session notes so in prior semesters I do usually have Google Docs that they work in for like, you know, thesis speed critique or reverse outlining or, you know, whatever. Uh, But I really beefed that up this time and they spend about half of their time in breakout rooms doing really active work. Um, And in some ways I can like see the labor as it happens on the screen, which helps me be like, okay, here's how I can synthesize the conversation when they come back instead of me popping in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's certainly something I will continue in the future. And I also, maybe Scott didn't say this, but I, I got the collaborative session notes idea from Shelly. So uh, everyone's stealing everyone's idea. <laughs> so how would that work? I mean, so here's something Scott definitely didn't say. How would that work in a, um, in a live classroom in an in-person classroom, you would just basically need everybody to have a laptop? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the last couple semesters, I have been having them do that anyway. So they, you know, so some of it has been translated to the, so for instance, the thesis speed critique I used to do on paper, but in the last couple semesters, I do that all online. They go through six or seven rounds, kind of like speed dating. And then at the end, they ask me one question, whereas you would usually give them feedback on Canvas or whatever, you can respond in Google Docs to them and they can, everyone can see everyone else's comments. And I, and I like the transparency of that. They can all see all my comments yeah. and maybe learn from the feedback other people have, get, have been given. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good idea. I, I do have one other thing I've been doing so when I went through all of the training processes before semester, I took things on Yellow Dig and Perusal and all kinds of different things. Um, it turns out I didn't use a lot of that stuff, but I have been using Perusal to great effect this semester. Uh, and that's something I'll continue. Uh, particularly, 
I like seeing how they're reading and what kinds of questions they have. So even if someone feels awkward uh, saying something in a Zoom session or in chat, they can start a conversation on perusal uh, and then people can respond or I can respond. And one thing that I started doing this semester uh, is having them read the assignment prompts on perusal and everyone leaves at least one comment or question. And so everyone's looked at that document and everyone's responses before we even come to class the next day. And I, I feel like that has really helped with questions about what, what we're doing in class <laughs> or what the actual assignment is. Uh, and I'll, I'll keep on doing that as well. Because it turns out there's usually a lot of questions about the assignment prompt that I don't always remember to make space to have a whole conversation about it. And that has been really fruitful. That's great. I, I'm excited about Perusal too. I haven't used it, but I've heard good things. Um, in that it enables like more sort of social media-esque conversation than some other some other programs. And I think that's one thing that I've been interested in too is, you know, we all are kind of assuming in some way, like how can we make our Zoom rooms more like the in-person classroom? But I mean, I'm also interested in how can we promote other kinds of community online, you know, like that's more like something like what happens when you play video games together or what happens when you're communicating on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or things like that, right? Um, and I've been sort of hopeful about Perusal as a way to do that. So I'm excited to hear that you're doing it. I'm going to talk to you about that more some other time, maybe. <laughs> I would like to as well. I, the, this is, I've written down two notes since Kat started talking and put them over there for things to do next time, next semester. But is Perusal the one that has the weird grading algorithm? Oh, no idea. One of, one of the nice things about doing a labor-based contract grading is that I kind of don't have to worry about any of that. <laughs> okay. All right. So there is a way, if there is one, there's a way to turn it off. Yeah. I, I know that Scott manually aligned it with Canvas somehow, which involved populating Canvas with a separate uh, perusal assignment and then perusal with a separate assignment. And I was like, that is way too complicated. I'm not doing that. So no, I, I, I haven't been like a real stickler for, you know, oh, your comment was only 203 words long. Like it, it's nothing like that. It's, it's more so that I can get a beat on where they are. Yeah. But yeah I think that is the one that's complicated to align with Canvas. Okay, okay. What's the other one? The one that isn't complicated to align with Canvas? The I other one, so I used the other one which I think is what you're thinking of is hypothesis. Hypothesis, yeah. And I like it a lot and it is easy to use with Canvas, but it doesn't have those, it doesn't have that array of features that let them react to each other. And it was, it was a little bit sad, like my students did great with hypothesis, um, but they clearly wanted, I could see them like wanting to react to each other in a way that was like not quite possible with hypothesis, right? Like they could reply to each other's comments, but that was sort of the extent of it. Like they couldn't like, there was no, um, there's no way for them to know to get notified when someone commented on their comment. Like it, it wasn't, it didn't have these features that like let the conversation sort of happen outside the space of hypothesis. Mm -hmm. So that was what, that's why I'm excited about the, the perusal one.
So can you talk about if there's been anything that has surprised you or even delighted you about teaching online that you know you'll carry into next term when we're definitely going to be online or maybe even into your, in, in, into um, in-person teaching when we go back to that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about delighted me, but I mean, something that's been useful for me is uh, I think forcing me to be even more flexible with my teaching. So thinking about like, will I, like do my students and I need to meet for every single class meeting, especially for writing 100 when there's so much built in one-on-one -on -one or small group conferences outside of the regular class meeting time. But it's like, um, there, you know, I've learned how to like set up many activities that we could that we would have normally done in class but now I record a short lecture and then give them the assignment and then they have more flexibility in their day and in their week to get that learning done which I think can be useful the flexibility is useful for everybody including me but yeah so asynchronous learning basically can be really useful and not necessarily just in a pandemic. I mean, I feel like in, in normal times, in non-pandemic times, we would have said, no, you can't do that. You can't hold a virtual class. But now I feel like we will leave this pandemic with that being like on the sort of menu of possibilities. Yeah, like I know like union meetings and stuff like that with um, faculty and students who are parents and people talking about how like asynchronous teaching is really useful for them and how it should be a way moving forward. So that's just like one population where asynchronous class learning and teaching and stuff like that is really beneficial. I think that's definitely true. And that's been true for, for me too, as a parent, um, especially in the spring when we pivoted right away, you know, to everyone, my kids and, and us being at home, I just couldn't see a way any other way other than asynchronous to do it. And then I was sort of more synchronous this semester, but, but thinking about it moving forward, even in, in in-person times, when you think about some stuff being available asynchronously, it's, it opens up what you can do in the classroom, like when you are all together, which I guess is maybe that whole flipped classroom idea, right? Um, it's kind of like a version of that, but, but yeah, it is, it is kind of fun to think about. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fun. And I think it also is a good reminder for myself who really believes in like social constructivist learning and like you learn from each other. And I still believe that to be true, but it's also like people need some time alone and at their own pace to learn things, which I also know, but in my classroom teaching, I really set things up where there's like non-stop small group activities and partner activities and things like that and it's like okay well let's take a step back from that <laughs> I mean that is as somebody who has spent like a lot of time with writing 100 I have to say that is a super interesting thought about writing 100 like I feel like writing 100 the you know we're, we're always like it's so hard to get them engaged oh they're, they're just not engaged in class they don't talk I mean maybe it's too much Right, like maybe, I mean, because you know, I don't know what your experience has been, and I'm not teaching, it, and Angie's not either. But like the people I've talked to, it seems like those writing 100 classrooms are a little bit less like uh, echo chambery, right? Like students, given less pressure or less opportunities, will be more eager to connect. Like you're saying, having the group chats and everything. 
that's super exciting to me because I have long thought that there was something wrong with that element of 100. Is there anything else you feel like you want to say, April, for um, the podcast? Yeah, no, that, I, yeah, those are my, that's, that's what I came prepared. <laughs> cool. All right. Awesome. Thank you. And there you have it, folks, some pedagogical silver linings in this tough time. We hope you've heard something you can use in your own virtual classroom or when you can return to it, maybe even your actual classroom. Thanks, as always, to Phil Cameron for his audio expertise and advice, to T. Hetzel, this time for being both guest and audio advisor, and to you for listening. Be sure, if you haven't already, to check out our episode on multilingual writers. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>